श्रीला गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमान महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरि नाम संकीर्तन की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंद हरि गो सो माय प्रणाम टू ऑल ऑफ यू वेरी नाइस टू टू सी यू टू हैव यू टुडे हियर एंड I hope this Saturday format works for you. Hopefully, we are making our first attempt because on Sundays, at least for me, it's getting quite complicated since I have uh, one translation of a lecture from my Guru Maharaj, and on the evening I have one lecture in Spanish as well. So that will make for a third lecture. I, I'm not, I, I, I have done that sometime, but sometimes it, it may be a little too much. So I prefer to be much more. Um, complete if you will for for sharing with you in, in a day like today so i hope that helps so that's it i don't know if there are any questions that you may like to to share today any topics you may like uh, to hear about i don't know if mahaprabhu has some or whoever uh hari krishna maharaj we have six questions okay. that uh, that's uh, <laughs> that's good good to know from the beginning that's a good yes. we can establish that idea so i can administrate the the, the the time of the answers thank you for saying saying that yes, so we have this six for today one is from the previous time mm. uh, left okay. okay we can begin with that one yes kazan chimashezu So the first one from the previous time from Vrindavan Dam Prabhu is why both Nityananda Prabhu and Srimati Radharani and are known as the original Guru. Does this somehow relate to their different expansions in the material world as Vishnu, Paramatma, and Maya Shakti respectively? So just 10 seconds to translate. So, uh, this question has been presented some times, other times by different devotees. It's like a classical one. <laughs> And uh, to be honest, there is not such a... I mean, we, we, we are accustomed to hear such an expression, original guru, Adi guru, in the case of uh, Nityananda or Balaram. Sometimes this is also ascribed to, to Sri Radha, but strictly speaking, at least personally, I'm not aware of any section in, in the scriptures that such an idea is presented. Mm-hmm. Again, we may have heard that from one devotee, and that devotee may have heard that from another devotee, and you know how it works. And of course, Parampara is also like that. We hear from someone who heard that, but all that in the context of, of Shastra, of Revelation. So I, I can basically begin saying that, and also I'm, with, it, with this I'm not saying that dismissing totally the idea, but just I want to clarify that it's not something that is clearly mentioned in, I don't know, the Goswami's uh, books or so on. What we find, for example, in the Goswami's books is descriptions of, um, 
of Srimati Radharani in connection to certain to the gopis, to the Nitya Siddha gopis, eternal uh, liberated gopis in Golok, who are described as Kaham Yuha, no? like partial expansions of Srimati Radharani. So in that sense, sometimes it is established that uh, the, the the eternally liberated souls in Madhurya Rasa are expansion from Sri Radha, uh, the ones in what we may call Kamarupa Bhakti, according to Rupa Goswami's definition. And on, on the other side, what I've heard, that this is not coming from the six Goswamis, but from our seventh one, we could say, from Srila Bhakti Thakur. I cannot recall exactly which was the book he mentioned that, but he mentions, he makes some similar connection to Baladev, which is Nityananda Prabhu. It's another way of speaking about Nityananda Prabhu. And he mentions, in the same way, like the, like the eternally liberated jivas, Hwari uh, Madhurya Rasa, our expansion from Sirada, the eternally liberated souls who serve in the other different moods, mainly this is called Sambandha Rupa Bhakti, which will mean basically Vatsalya, Sakya, and Dasya, those are expansions of Sri Baladev. Sri Bhakti Thakur made that point. So I will say that on the basis of, of those statements, eventually the idea of, um, of Adi Guru in connection to Radha and Nityananda or Radha and Balaram uh, manifested mm-hmm. in the sense of that um, from them these eternally liberated personalities that serve under different moods are uh, coming, if you will. But I, I'm not again. I'm not aware of of some statement in the in the Goswami Granta or what to speak the Bhagavad or some other uh, main scripture for us Gaudias where such an idea is is established. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, and of course, one made the point, okay, I, I, that may be the, the connection, and what's the, the idea of Adi Guru, why the, the conception of Guru is tied to them. And of course, one can say so many things <laughs> uh, at the same time. Um, again, this is not strictly directly mentioned in Shastra, but I don't know, for example, in connection to Baladev, one could make the case that he's a very exemplary uh, figure in connection to how to serve Krishna in all the different moods. It is said that he's serving him in Santarasa, expanding as the Dham and all the paraphernalia that serves Krishna. He occasionally acts as a servant of Krishna in Dasyarasa, even though he's his elder brother. He adopts the position of servitude and he may, I don't know, massage Krishna's feet or legs after some intense um, wrestling with his friends in the forest or something. Uh, he's mainly in Sakyarasa towards Krishna. That's his, his main identity, if you will, as a friend. Mm-hmm. And he also, of course, acts and serves in that context. And also Batsalya in the sense of he himself being um, Krishna's uh, Mariat Guru or the elder brother who looks after Krishna's proper uh, decorum, proper Vaishnava etiquette. <laughs> Since we are speaking about proper behavior, no? so Balaram is the one who has to look after Krishna's proper behavior. Interestingly, in Gaur Lila, that's inverted. No? And Krishna as Mahaprabhu is the one looking after the proper behavior of Balaram as Nityananda, who behaves as an Abhaduta and sometimes acts out of the norm. 
<laughs> and in Madhurya Rasa, we know Baladev is not invo- involved directly, but indirectly he is serving Krishna Madhurya Rasa in the sense of allowing that to happen, not reporting that, being himself the the, the elder brother of Krishna and the Mariat guru of Krishna, he's not reporting that section to Yashoda, and he's taking care of the other friends when Krishna is meeting with the gopis, at the midday pastimes and so on. So we could make a case for him serving in Madhurya Ras in this way. So in that sense we may say he's the Adi Guru or the original Guru in that sense. But we could also make the case, I don't know, the term Adi Guru could be tied to Krishna himself, who is the the beginning of our Gaudiya Sampradaya, if you will, in one sense. Krishna instructing Brahma, Brahma, Narad, Narad, Vyasa, we see the Parampara. So it all begins with Krishna. So we can call him also the Adi Guru, Adi means original. Brahma sometimes is also called the Adi Guru, Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. Or, or some other people may think in terms of Gaudiya Sampradaya more strongly beginning from Mahaprabhu on, and Mahaprabhu may receive the title. So it's these are flexible uh, considerations, they are broad ter- terms. It's not that just this word is applied to this person, there's no other way, no other way, no other way. And in the context of Srimati Radharani, of course, we can also say so much about her as a guru. Hmm? Because she, she, Krishna himself, through the pen of Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami, saying in his Chaitanya Charitamrita, Mishisha Guru Nadradikar Premon Mad. Basically, I say, I, Krishna says, I am the Sishya, I am the student in the dancing school of Sri Radha, and she is my guru. Her Prem is my guru, her love is my teacher and I am learning lessons from her, how to dance according to her love. So Srimati Radharani is Krishna's guru, strictly speaking, interestingly speaking, no? who appears in Gaur Lila as Gadadhar Pandit. So Gadadhar Pandit is giving Bhagavatam classes on a daily basis to Sri Chaitanya, another way in which Sri Radha is schooling hmm? Sri Krishna in this case in the Gaur Lila. So there, there, these are some ways as, as how we may connect the term Guru or Adi Guru. No? Shirada is instructing Krishna, who is known the Adi Guru. So if the Adi Guru has some Guru, that Guru must be the Adi Guru, <laughs> the Adi Adi Guru. But again, this is not a terminology that is like officially stated in, in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, in the Goswami Granta. So it has come to be mentioned here and there. And I will mainly connect, as I mentioned before, to Shirada being connected to Kamarupa Bhakti and Baladev being under the jurisdiction, I mean, uh, uh, directing the jurisdiction of Sambandha Rupa Bhakti, these departments of service. So, some ideas. I hope that helps. And we can go to the second question. Second question. Is from Duyao. I have heard that on one level of sadhana bhakti, our prayer should be directed towards acceptance and surrender. And already on that stage, we, stay, we start to develop a new identity. Can you share what are the signs that this is happening to us? What characteristics start to manifest in our life? I didn't understand the last part. When you say the arising of identity, that was okay. But after that, I was uh, not can able. Can you share? Yes. Can you share what are the signs that this new identity is starting to develop? What characteristics start to manifest in our life? Mm, okay. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Okay. So, just, sure. so just one second. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. While I'm seeing uh, someone with the cell phone, do not distract, please, over there. That's why I ask you, Karuna, be careful with the cell phone. Do not get distracted. <laughs> That's one of the functions of having you the video. <laughs> but I was trusting you were taking notes of the class for sure. I'm I fully trust you are doing that, so no problem. So the question speaks about these two stages. We may divide into stages uh, sadhana bhakti and the rest, if you will. <laughs> Sadhya bhakti, in the words of Jila Jiva Goswami. So sadhana bhakti is bhakti in practice, and sadhya bhakti will be the goal of that practice. Of course, there are further divisions. We may speak about bhava and prem in the context of sadhya bhakti. But, yeah, the general idea, and my Guru Maharaj mentioned, I, I think that I'll hear from them, from him, uh, although this is mentioned also by Bhaktinathakur in some way, that sadhana bhakti is mainly characterized by surrender, saranagati, submission, these types of prayers in that direction, while stages like bhava bhakti, what to speak, prem bhakti, are characterized by longing. No? Sometimes this has to do with the division of prayers as Rupa Goswami presents them, he speaks about three types of prayers in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, three types of prartana. Prartana means prayers. And his, two of them may be connected to this idea of uh, saranagati, hmm? sadhana bhakti, dainyatmika hmm? and uh, samprartanatmika, which has to do with saranagati, humility and surrender. And on the other side we have lalasamai, which means longing for a particular service to Krishna in, in the context of my eternal identity. So, that's a general way to speak about that, but at the same time, we may say that these are um, intertwined, in these become to intertwine in advanced stages of sadhana bhakti. For example, ruchi, asakti, no? I mean, it's not that before reaching Baba you have no longing whatsoever, and you reach Baba and suddenly you are full of longing. I mean, you have it's, it's a gradual process, not from black to white. So when we start to enter stages into like Nishta, Ruchi, Asakti, for this is important to study each one of these stages and the symptoms of these stages. Books like Madhurya Kadambini are very useful in this regard. My Guru Maharaj also wrote a commentary on the Sikshastakam, which is really connected to this because each verse speaks about all these different stages, so you, I recommend you may go through them. Uh, there's one series of uh, PowerPoints on Madhurya Kadambini have been published by Dulal Chandra Prabhu. May, some of may of you may have known about that. But I recommend those also for the ones who may like to get more acquainted with these different stages in detail and its symptoms. But of course I will say something. 
So <clears throat> the arisal of our eternal identity starts to happen in Asakti. It, this doesn't mean that before that we don't have any affinity whatsoever. Again, we may have an affinity from 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 the beginning, maybe from previous lifetimes or for the association of some particular sadhu. And we will start to culture that in stages prior, prior to Asakti. Uh, but in Asakti, per se, our sense of identity becomes really, uh, how to say, um, yeah, transformed in a very substantial way because, as my Guru Maharaj mentioned since his Sikshastakan commentary, and as we already spoke, of course, we, we did already a series of lectures on the different stages of, of Bhakti some months ago. In Asakti, Asakti means attachment. So our present sense of material identity is based on our attachments. Hmm? Our sense of I, my Guru Maharaj will say, depends on our sense of my. Whatever I think is mine, that creates my I. Hmm? My country, my wife, my husband, my son, and some corresponding I comes from that. The point is, of course, no, nothing of those things are mine, actually. So that sense of identity will not endure. My house will be my house as long as, as I'm there in the house or as long as the house is not falling apart. <laughs> so whatever sense of identity I am developing on the basis of something that is temporary, that sense of identity is also temporary. So the point is, and this is based on attachment, material attachment. So when my material attachments are replaced, if you will, by spiritual attachment, there another corresponding sense of identity will emerge. But this one, this will be a permanent one, a spiritual one. So my sense of identity will be connected, we will be in relation to an identity of service to Krishna, a particular form of Krishna, a particular mode of service, and again, a corresponding identity with that object of affection. So... So basically, that, that will start again. That starts to happen in advanced stages of sadhana bhakti. So some longing will be there, of course. But in, in, in asakti, this starts to emerge, to appear, appear more and more. In bhava, you start to culture that identity in a more systematic way. And in prem, if you will, you are fully there already, let's say. So again, symptoms of attack of asakti because there's which, which was the last part of the question? Like which are these external symptoms or how the characteristics that start to manifest? Aha. Uh -huh. Well, which characteristics start to manifest in our life? Of course, of course, this is something that we can understand only to a degree in theory, no? Because I mean, I'm speaking about your whole material sense of identity disappears. So we cannot fully imagine what's, what must be that about. We can have a glimpse of that, but the rest we have to, to go there. And, and, and as much as we get attached to Dubai, Schnapps, to Guru, gradually we will have higher and higher glimpses of that. But what does it mean? Well, basically it means that everything that I'm seeing try to invert the situation. In the egoic situation, you perceive everything with you, with you in the center. And everything revolving around you and your plans and your desires and your whatever, likes and dislikes. And Krishna may be there at some part, but to facilitate that. But eventually the proportions transform and you are there to facilitate 
whatever the center wants and you start to see everything you included as part of that equation in the service of the center. So a sakti means try to try to think about what happens when you get attached to something in this world. That helps us to conceive from our particular present situation. When you really get attached to something, you cannot forget that for a moment. Everything you see everything in connection to that. No, that's called raga also sometimes. Like if you had a lens with red glasses, everything will be see red because everything will be tinged with your attachment in this case. So when you have attachment for Krishna, that will happen. Everything will be seen in connection to Krishna. And that's what reality is about. Reality is everything is in connection to Krishna. And again, at that time, you have a particular internal... Uh, disposition of service and a particular identity, a particular characteristics of your eternal self, name, form, dress, lila, service. This is won't be only information, but you are that. You feel all those things coming. Before that, you may feel, hey, I may have affinity for this type of service to Krishna. I culture that, I hear about that, I nourish that, I feel that is increasing my taste in me. But at this point, your very eternal identity, particular descent of the Swarup Shakti is, in, is entering your heart and manifesting what will be your eternal spiritual body, if you will, in Krishna Lila. And your, of course, your identity in Gaur Lila becomes more and more established as you progress as a, from, as a sadhaka. So... For more details of this, I, I will recommend again. You may hear again my lecture on Asakti that I gave maybe some months ago, some three, four months ago, or, or go through Madhurya Kadam in itself of the commentary on Sikshastaka on my Guru Maharaj. But some words, I, I can continue, but we have four more questions left, so I prefer to try to em embrace them all today, if possible, let's see. Okay. Thank you. So, next question mm -hmm. is, how should one deal when someone who joined the Gaudiya Sampradaya eventually exhibits some affinity for a mood that is not the main one in the Sampradaya, or which could even be more connected to other Sampradayas? Mm -hmm. How should one deal with yes. Yeah. So, just to translate. Mm. Okay, so the question has to do with how to deal with particular moods that may appear in the context of our Sampradaya, which do not necessarily correspond, quote-unquote, with um, the ultimate reach of the Sampradaya, if you will, or, or, or even the main options that generally are uh, connect, connected to the Sampradaya. So how to deal with that? If that happens in you or if that happens in someone else next to you. Uh, and of course, I, if that's bona fide, I mean, because someone may have also some 
dysfunctional emotions about yes I think I have this bow or this affinity and that may not be true and we may need some other type of adjustments but there is place for that to be bona fide for one reason or another and one should deal with that with empathy maturity uh, compassion and one should learn from that one should be even inspired from that not only I don't know because let's give some examples. The, in the Gaudiya Sampradaya, which is the school of thought that we, most of us at least, yes, all of us belong to, um, there is a, officially, the ultimate reach of the Sampradaya, uh, and, and the main current of the Sampradaya is what sometimes it's called Manjari Bhav. It has different names. Bhavalasrati, Radha Dasyam, Tat Tat Bhavichatmika, Manjari Bhav, and so on. So, this is the main current of the Sampradaya. This is what Mahaprabhu uh, is, is the closest experience to what Mahaprabhu himself was tasting, being Krishna and Radha Bhav. The Manjaris have that experience of Radha Bhav. By being attaching, atta- by attaching herself in a vicarious way to Sirada's experience and so on, so that's the main current, and we see that the Gaudiya Sampradaya is saturated with Manjarivab. So, but that doesn't, doesn't mean that everyone in the Sampradaya is having affinity towards Manjarivab. Hmm? Most will have that for sure, and, and that's not a problem. Hmm? But we see some. Other currents, which as you may already know, it which is mainly prominent in our sampradaya, which is Sakya. Sakya Bhava and a particular type of Sakya Bhava, Priyanarma Sakya, as Manjari Bhava is a particular type of Madhurya Bhava. So this we find some also prominent examples, and there is a place for that in the sampradaya. Even though for some, that may not even have a place. We may be a little bit more open to that possibility in connection, at least some of us, to someone like my Guru Maharaj, who clearly establishes uh, that point. But in some other lineages of the Gaudiya Sampradaya, maybe everyone will think, you have to be Manjari Bab, there's no second option. So we, you, you may find that also. So that's interesting. So, uh, so on one side, this point, there's place for Sakya Bab, But also we may say, let's go even further. What happens if someone joins the Gaudiya Sampradaya and finds that he or she has an affinity towards, let's say, um, Vishnu Bhakti, worship of Narayan in Aishwarya, or Ram Bhakti, worship of Sri Ramachandra in Aishwarya, whatever, whatever may be the, the possibility. How to deal with such a case? Should we kick them out of the Gaudiya Sampradaya and send them to some other place so they can <laughs> be in their place, whatever, or something? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Should we think they are deviated or they are, uh, whatever, they do not have enough Bhakti Sukriti or not necessarily? Because again, here we are not speaking, I'm speaking in, in some cases I really have real deep affinity for that that most probably in those cases that will come from previous lifetimes. So, 
it's important that we have to understand that Mahaprabhu's dispensation, as my Guru Maharaj will say, has a broad side and a deep side. It has the breadth and the depth. So, in the, de- in the depth of the Sampradaya, we may speak in terms of the ultimate reach of the Sampradaya, Manjari Bab, and so on. But regarding the, broad- the broadness of the Sampradaya, we may speak about Mahaprabhu being the Yuga Avatar. So, Yuga Avatar means Yuga Dharma, and Yuga Dharma means for everyone in Kali Yuga, that's the Yuga Dharma. And some people may embrace the Yuga Dharma from one particular conception and other. My Guru Mahesh has shared how he was traveling in South India and he found many Sri Vaishnavas chanting Harinam. But their goal was Vaikuntha. And no problem. So there is a place in the breadth, in the broadness of the Gaudiya Sampradaya for those cases, which will be exceptions to the rule for sure. The rule will be mostly someone is touched by Mahaprabhu's gift and naturally will develop some affinity towards the Brajalila. But someone may have we may get, may join the Gaudiya Sampradaya in this lifetime, but having been connected with other Sampradayas in previous lifetime and may have developed again an affinity towards Vishnu Bhakti, Ram Bhakti. I have known of, of disciples of Srila Prabhupada, for example, who who have known are more connected with the Sri Sampradaya because they realized they had affinity towards worship of Lakshmi Narayan. And, and and it was like beyond themselves. It's not it was not some conscious thing they were cultivating, but in the context of practicing bhakti they re, they found themselves having that attraction and and what to do. I mean it was a, there was some some scar. Bhakti some scars were there enough enough strong to continue that and we have um, we find those examples in in Mahaprabhu's lives as well for example Anupam is a famous classical one Anupam is the brother of Rupa Sanatan Rupa Goswami Sanatan Goswami you may know the story so the three brothers once they made a vow we will worship Radha and Krishna for forever for the rest of our lives so we they made some type of vow between brothers but that night Anupam was not able to sleep because he had a deep affinity towards the worship of Sita Ram. So the next day he said to Rupa Sanatan, I cannot conceive of leaving them. Of course, worshipping Radha and Krishna, Radha and Krishna and Sita Ram are the same person in Tattva, but in Bhava there, there is a difference. So he was not able to even think about leaving such a Bhava. So they presented the case to Mahaprabhu, and as you may know, Mahaprabhu said, Glorious is that devotee who cannot give up his Lord, and glorious is that Lord who cannot give up his devotee. So he was blessing Anupam to continue with his Ram Bhakti. He say, he did the same when he traveled into South India, and he met some Brahmins who were worshipping Ramachandra, and were afflicted by Sita being kidnapped by Ravan, and Mahaprabhu himself, like, give support to him. He found some quotes from Kurma Purana showing to him, actually, Ravan never touched Sita. That was a Maya Sita, illusory Sita. So he was nourishing his bhava for Ramachandra. He was not saying, hey, I will try to convert you. Come with me to Braj and worship Sri Radha. He, he, he was honoring the bhava because it was bona fide. It was genuine. So what, whatever exhibition of, of genuine spiritual affinity, we should venerate that. 
We should never try to dismiss that, to discourage that, what to speak of, criticize that or offend that. So it's, it's very important that we are, again, it's easier in one sense, okay, all of us share the same affinity and there is no room for, <clears throat> for harmonizing, for problems. But when you are dealing with devotees with different moods, different affinities, that, that will, I mean, you will be put to test. Even dealing with devotees of, of different missions or different natures. Now, not speaking here about spiritual affinity, but some nature, you have to harmonize. And not everyone is, is, is too, too able to do that. There we will see how mature we are in our relationships how broad we are, how accommodating we are. And that's important to develop. That has to do with Mahaprabhu's third verse. You have to be tolerant, you have to be humble, you have to be respectful. You don't have to expect no, respect for you in that sense. And, and that's not so easy. It's easier, it's easier say than done, as they say. So again, we should not only respect that, but just to finish this reply, we should also venerate mm-hmm. that bona fide manifestations of whatever bhakti it manifests. This famous example, as I think I have shared already 108 times with you, <laughs> is Brihad Bhagavatamrita when um, Gopakumar meets Hanuman on, when he's visiting Ajodhya. And, and Hanuman, and Gopakumar asks Hanuman to glorify his Prabhu, his Lord. And Hanuman starts to chant the glories of Ram. And Gopakumar says, Jai Sri Krishna. And when and then Hanuman says, please, you glorify your Lord, Madame Gopal. And Gopakumar starts to do that. And Hanuman at the end says, says Sri Ram, Jai Sri Ram. Hmm? So the point is, both of them understood we are worshipping the same Lord, different Bhav. But your devotion for your Lord is nourishing my devotion for my Isthadev. I can learn from you. I can nourish my practice. It's not that... Oh, you have Vishnu Bhakti. I don't have anything to do for you. I don't have anything to learn from you. Oh, you may disturb my faith. Of course, if you are extremely neophyte, you may need to take some distance in order to avoid being disturbed. But it's not that the other one is the guilty. It's just that you lack enough maturity to deal with something different from what you are doing. But eventually, we should evolve as individuals and as community to a point where we can relate to other moods, other Vaishnavs, other whatever, and let all that nourish our own personal, if you will, affinity. That should be the ideal. If we are not in that ideal, okay, we may take some distance, respectful distance, acknowledging my lack of capacity, not blaming the other one for being different. So we should be very careful there, because, I mean, Vaishnav Parada can always be a possibility, but should never be a possibility. (laughs) So, some ideas, I hope that that may, may help. Thank you. I'm sure it, it was very helpful. <laughs> so, next question is from Bhakti Shakti. She will ask it now, because she's here. Okay. Question from uh, the comments uh, on Shikshashtakam Guru Maharaj. In the second verse, he's saying um, that on this stage, at some point in Anartha Nibriti, one realizes, like, 
the prayer there is a very desperate one that you realize you have no attachment to the holy name and out of this desperation and humbleness because of realizing complete lack of attachment to the holy name the holy name gives its mercy and stays with you and this is how you get purified i just wondered um, how one can help to reach this type of realization of complete lack of taste for a holy name and desperation of not having any attachment or yeah desire or attraction for the holy name mm. well um, of course this should be done as we always mentioned in a natural way no, this should be arrived. This conclusion we should arrive in a in a natural way, not in a forced way. Of course, when I say natural, that includes effort on our part, and it's not that just natural. I will sit and everything will come of its own. But natural, I mean, not forced in an exaggerated way that it starts to to border neurosis, as I always say. No, I have to be desperate because I have no attachment for the holy name and, and, and you end up with a psychological dysfunction and not with a, a devotional uh, development. So we should also learn to deal with whatever stage we may be in um, or we should be in eventually. We should deal, learn to deal with that in a sustainable way because as I always say, we are here to remain here uh, ideally forever in the practice. I mean, we, we are trying to embrace bhakti as a lifestyle for eternity. So we should do so in such a way that it's sustainable for us. Not that just I try to, to, to reach the, this stage, whatever stage, quickly or intensely or desperately, whatever. <laughs> but after some months, weeks, years, I, I find no longer it's sustainable and, and, and I just reject the, the whole practice altogether. That can happen. Of course, I know that this is not the idea, but I'm just sharing some <laughs> words of caution as an in introduction to my answer, because I, I think sometimes that can happen. So we, we, we shouldn't go neurotic uh, or paranoid in our uh, practice. So second verse of Sikshastakam, yes, is speaking about Bhajana Kriyanartha Nibriti. And that's a very important point it's, that is mentioned there, that you also mentioned the question, that to reach the realization that I have no attachment for Srinam. Because we may have some realization. Of course, there it speaks about having full realization. Uh, so, that's another thing. <laughs> no, we, we should really reach the point when we feel the things and uh, I, I wouldn't say that it, I mean that will come by the practice itself but if we are trying to do it in an in a realistic way again not in a mechanical way but we are trying to f feel some I mean I mean it's not that we will try to try to feel something but because it's not okay Karinam make me feel something no it's not that we are chanting just to so Srinam makes serves us no, because again the problem is you may start to feel I should be feeling this, I should be feeling that, and and actually the main point is 
I want to make Srinam feel something, basically. And of course, we feel something, and we feel that we don't feel at the beginning. <laughs> That's what Mahaprabhu said. Nanurag. I don't have anurag. I don't, I don't experience what I know everyone experiences from Srinam when chanted properly. So that will take you to re- repentance. So that's a feeling, that's an emotion. And if, again, there are degrees of this. And, and the desperation we may speak about, again, should be a healthy one, should be something that we really are investing our will in that, if you will. I mean, it's not that I have to be, feel desperate, I should be feeling this, but I'm not. But the point is, do you want, do you agree with the idea? I mean, because if you don't, even it doesn't make sense to you, all these things, I'm not saying to you Bhakti Shakti, but in general, if all these ideas that do not make sense to us, we will never reach an experience of that. No? First, we should understand why, no, how this works, and so on. So the natural thing, and Mahaprabhu creates the contrast in that, in that verse, is everything is in the holy name. I think that helps a lot. Not so much... I mean, we can try to analyze ourselves and our lack of taste, but I think something that will create the, the final uh, the checkmate, as if you will, the final stroke in the insect is to go deep into all that it, that is there in the Holy Name. How glorious is Srinam, how merciful, how much Krishna is present there, non-different from its name how different names, all, all the positive content that generally sometimes we may not be too aware of. Of course, first we need to be educated on that in theory, but eventually to try to have that present in our the moment we are trying to chant. So that will create the proper contrast. You know, to concentrate on how positive, how uh, deep is Srinam, and naturally you will analyze where are you standing in relation to that, and that will create a particular result, whatever it may be. Again, the one that, that needs to be... The point is we need to establish our present situation on every single day. And that's, again, in great part what chanting is about. Chanting means I will sit and I will realize where I'm at today. And tomorrow is the same thing. And that's why... It's, Mostly, many devotees do not like to chant Japa. <laughs> because they do not like to, to, to really fully realize where they are at. Because that's not comfortable for the ego. No? So, or if they chant Japa, they will chant it in the most uh, distracted possible way. So they feel as, as less uncomfortable as possible. So they will go to run and chant japa, they would drive the car and chant japa, they would answer Facebook messages and chant japa, they would do something else apart from chanting japa. And of course, you will feel, oh, that was a nice round, I didn't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, because you were totally distracted. So of course, you, you, you will feel comfortable. Generally, we are comfortable in distraction. That's, that's the condition of Kali Yuga. So chanting japa means the opposite to face where, who I am now, where I am at, and to deal with that. And of course, it's not easy. Again, this is, it is uncomfortable for the ego, for this taking, pulling out us of the comfort zone. But that's what chanting is about, at least in certain stages. And that has to do with 
realizing hmm, who I am, how much I lack taste for the name, and how much I have taste for so many nonsensical stuff yet. But again, I, I want to know that. that. That should be our sincerity. I want to realize, again, we are speaking about realization. So first, uh, first, before coming the realization, first I need to get notified about these things. Hmm? So you first be notified about where you are now, which is your present affinities or the lack of... And you sit and try to chant, and you sit and try to, to pray to Krishna, and, and you will see sometimes your mind will go to so many other places, will, will want something else to do, won't be willing to cooperate, and that's part of your present reality. Of course, we should not over-identify with that, but that's there. So we should be have the strength to accept that's there. I'm not condemning myself for that. I'm not over-identifying myself with that, but that's there. So, okay, let's do something about it. <laughs> because I, will, I don't like to be that. I, I want to transcend that. I know I'm something else. So on, on that basis, you start to, 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 to deal, to pray, to develop some, some type of hunkering of desire, and that eventually, in a very condensed, sincere way, may take the form of what we may call uh, desperation, healthy healthy desperation and for every single stage I will I may say there, there will be a type of desperation but again we cannot imitate this maybe the word desperation may, may be too much for some so do not go mad with that as well I mean uh, but but again the point is at least in theory I know rather than Krishna fully present in Srinam but when I am chanting them my mind is going shopping to so many other places so one may realize I'm so far away from the reality of what Nam is about. So, but I, but at the same time, I want to get closer to that. I have the tool for that. The mercy is coming. So, so instead of chanting as I will, yesterday I was thinking about that. Uh, uh, the main thing we have to do is not so much something has to come. What else will come? Especially when we are chanting, we expect something to come. But the point is. Something already came. So, what we'll do now, we, with that thing that came to our life? What's expected from us in return? Now, in one part, the, the main part for us now is how to return the embrace that Bhakti has thrown to us. We have been embraced by Bhakti, so how we reciprocate? Not so much what else will come, but what, what else will come out of me? And according to how we respond, something else will come for sure. <laughs> So, I don't know, so many things can be said in this connection, but some ideas, I, I, I hope that may help Bhakti Shakti again. Each of these questions are for a separate lecture, but we have two more waiting for us, two more questions. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, now we have from Ganga Shakti one question. Okay. There is a big emphasis on serving Krishna, Guru, and the Vaishnavas. However, isn't it supposed to also be extended to the non-Vaishnavas in our lives? After all, Krishna is presented in the form of Paramatma in all human beings. Don't we serve Krishna by serving any human being? Mr. Okay. <clears throat> Was it uh, clear? Yes.
So, so the question is, okay, there is an emphasis on serving Kari, Guru, Vaishnavs, but what about serving the rest, if you will? So, and the possibility of serving, of saying, okay, serving humanity is the best way of serving God. Gandhi say, had that idea. He used the term Harijan in those ter- in those in that term. You know, the, the, the the people of Hari and serving society will be equal to or or or, or, or the best service to God. But actually, we at Scotius will say basically the opposite. The best service to humanity is to serve God. Not so much the best service to God is to serve humanity. Now, I must clarify that, of course. <laughs> With this, I'm not saying because the point is. I might, when I say I serve God or Krishna, we have to understand what's the meaning of that. I mean, when I say I serve in God, means everyone else is included there. We have the bed and the abed perspective. This one and different. So in one sense, everything is God. Because everything is inseparable from Him. Everything is connected to Him. And He's the very root of everything and everyone. Srimad Bhagavatam has given the example, Yatha, Murata, Lord, etc. It says, The worship of Krishna is compared to watering the root of a tree, of a plant, and, and trying to serve something or someone separate from Krishna. It's trying to... Well, it's like putting water in the leaves of the plant, for example. Imagine you have a plant and you just put water on its leaves, on its branches, but not on the root. So what will happen? The plant will die eventually. But if you go to the root, everything is distributed there properly. So the stomach sometimes is the example as well. When you... Put food, you put food in the mouth, the food goes to the stomach, and the stomach is receiving everything. So you may say, wow, quite selfish. And Krishna says something similar in the Bhagavad Gita, Bhaktaram Yaknyata He says, I am the enjoyer of everything. So you may say, but what about the rest? So, but the point is, he's like the stomach. The stomach is taking everything, but what does the stomach does do? distributes everything to the different parts of the body and do not remain with anything at the end. So it takes everything, processes everything properly and distributes everything and do not remain with anything for himself selfishly. So that's the very principle of, of worshipping God. So when we chant Harinam, for example, for us that's the highest type of charity. When we speak Harikata, that's what Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will say. That's the only famine. Famine, you say? Yeah, when you are hungry, famine. I accept in this world, the only lacking is Krishna consciousness. There's no other lacking. So we should share that. And when I say that, of course, because I say it this way, because, for example, he he constructed the marble temple, Bhagbasar Gaudiamat in Calcutta. And at that time, that was a big thing, such a temple, and Gaudiya Vaishnavs involved in such a project, who were mostly living in huts and bhajan kutters in the dam, and he was constructing a marvelous, gorgeous marble temple, and spending rupees and millions and millions throwing to marble and marble, and, mar- and people giving money, marble and marble, 
So many people complain, what about the hungry people, what about the sick people, hmm? why don't you use that money to, to help them? Hmm? And why are you throwing the money into, into the temple? Hmm? And he wanted to make a point with that, he was not attached to having a big marble temple. But his main point is, the problem here is not to be sick, it's not famine, all those are symptoms of the problem. We should understand this point. Because if not, we will be uh, distracted in trying to give relief in so many directions and there's never enough. I mean, you may say, okay, let's save the penguins in the North Pole and there is famine in Africa and there is rapings in, in Europe and there are so many things. I mean, you, you will never be able to embrace them all. But all of them, nor, none of them are problems, strictly speaking. All of them are symptoms of the only one problem which is avidya, which is a misapprehension of, of, of reality, lack of proper knowledge about what is what, and all that creates all the symptoms. So the approach of, uh, of trying to, to help people separate from, from God is like the allopathic medicine. Allopathic medicine mainly points to relieving the symptoms. But not dealing with the issue and, and solving the sickness at its root. It's more quickly relieve the symptoms, that's all, in generally at least. For example, Ayurvedic medicine, that's much more uh, substantial. It goes to the root, but it will take more time. And it will be a long treatment and difficult, one, <laughs> but it will uproot the very cause. So, when we say emphasis of, on, on serving Hari Guru and Vaishnavas, all the other jivas are included that in that context, for sure. But in that context, now, we are not interested in, in temporary um, charity. In the sense of, I mean, it's sattvic and it's virtuous for someone who has not been in touch with bhakti, but still it's temporary and it's not creating any real solution. I mean, I may feed someone who is hungry, but right at the, at the end of the day, that person is hungry again. So I have not fully solved the thing in a, in a very substantial way. But if I give the person knowledge about who the person is and what's the real problems in life, that's another thing. Hmm? Once my Guru Maharaj said that, made that point, he said, we've, we've, we, we find so many problems in the world and we are trying to solve them, but actually we should understand that there are no problems in the world, but the world is a problem in itself. Not blaming the world, but our particular approach to the world, that's the problem. That creates all the other so-called problems. So we should solve that. We are focused in that direction. So when we speak in terms of helping other people, that will be in these terms exclusively. To teach them, to show them through example and precept what's the real problem and how to deal their lives in that proper way. And, and of course that's part of our dharma. Hmm? Mahaprabhu say that briefly. He say, "Jibadai uh, namruchi jibadai sarvadharma sar." He say the essence of dharma is to be compassionate to all other jivas and to develop taste for Srinam, for for the holy name. So there are other people is included for sure. And he said that's the essence of all religion, of all dharma, for us as Gaudias. So to be jibadai means to be compassionate to other people. So, it's not that we are not thinking about that. But especially, of course, 
there is some emphasis in worshipping Bhagavan, Guru, Vaishnavas, because they are uh, ambassadors of, of Bhakti. Mm-hmm. So, we are to deal with them in that particular way. Other people who may not have Bhakti, other people, again, Jivas in general, who have, have not been touched with Bhakti yet, it's not that we are dismissing them altogether, but our relationship would be different, because, again, they, are, they need Bhakti. So we will try to relay with them in that particular context. That's how what Rupa Goswami mentioned. We worship Bhagavan. We establish friendship with the Vaishnavas. We are compassionate to those who are not Vaishnavas. And we avoid those who are envious of the Vaishnavas. So we, we, we cannot deal with every single person in the same way. Because it's not, it's not possible. You try to do it. It's not, so, it's not possible. Even though in theory you may know... Everyone is a soul and there is that potential, of course, that's there. But in the moment of dealing with the person, there are different considerations. But, but of course, at the end of the day, we should be uh, respectful to everyone. Bhakti Nautakur, when he speaks about aparad or offenses, he speaks about offenses to the deity, the holy name, the sadhus, and other living entities. You know? So he's including that. Because, yeah, that's a good point, because sometimes in the name of respecting the Vaishnavas, sometimes we may disrespect the non-Vaishnavas. You know? Because sometimes the scriptures speak strongly about uh, a materialistic person, but that's with the, with the intention of criticizing materialism, but not the person in itself. I mean, the person is a jiva who has a brilliant potential, and we should be compassionate and attentive to that point, not about condemning everyone around us. They are karmis and they are in Maya and they are demons and they are against us and, and, and you just project the enemy outside and you become crazy, fanatic. So that's not the point. I mean, we should be really compassionate and, 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 and intelligent about how to deal with everyone and serve everyone, of course. We are to serve Hari, Guru, and Bhaisans, every other single living entity. But the form that service will take, that may bar, differ here and there. But if, I, if I'm compassionate to a newcomer, it's not that, oh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm considering myself higher than you. It's just the necessary form that uh, my service attitudes towards you need to have. Everything will be done in the terms of how I can serve you best. So if I can serve you best by being compassionate towards you, I'm willing to do so. If I can serve you best by taking a distance from you because you are envious, I will take that distance in the service of you. And I will lament, oh, I would like to serve you in a more direct way, but I cannot do so because, well, of person's circumstances, as you can imagine. So that's the point. The emphasis is there, but not to the point of service to humanity will replace service to divinity, because, again, divinity is the very root of humanity and everything else. So that's another important point. And, and, and some sadhus may not be engaged in, for example, distributing this message and doing devotional, if you will, welfare work. And they may be just, I don't know, a Gorky short as Babaji, let's say, who is just absorbed in bhajan and singing, but the presence of such sadhus and their chanting is purifying the whole planet and everyone else, even though they do not realize. So they are also doing their part. It is said that every single sound before it leaves planet Earth is circumambulates the planet seven times. 
and continues its journey. So you can imagine the, the chanting and the prayers of great saintly people, how much is that affecting the whole planet, even though most of humanity is not aware of that. So everyone from their particular position and nature are, are, should be making that contribution. So that's a fact. So I hope that helps Ganga Shakti. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, we have one more question. Yes, it's uh, from Dryao. From who? Dryao Nitai. Okay. Yes. Okay. I have material desires and it is questionable how sincere I am. This makes me anxious because I've heard that sometimes Krishna fulfills the desire, the desire so that the person can leave the path. Hence, in this way, protecting Bhakti from the insincere. I've heard that in a comment of Vishwanatha Chakravarti Thakur, on why Krishna gives challenges. But in other cases, he can fulfill the desires in a way that in the end, after satisfying them, we can come closer to him. Is it so in this regard, maybe, and also, is it okay to pray, please, Krishna, make me closer to you? Well, the brief summarized reply will be yes. Just one question, one second to translate. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> long question <laughs> but longer translation even Okay, so, well, different things are said in the scriptures. As I say, in Samar's way, yes, it's okay, last part. You can pray to Krishna, make me close to you, as whatever you consider best. In brief, that's the answer. Do not become overburdened about, I have this desire, and what will happen if I pray, and how Krishna will deal with that. You just trust that He knows but much better than you. Uh, not only how to deal with your desire, but he's much better than you. He's much more aware than you, which are the desires you have. <laughs> because we are not fully aware of that yet. So he will know that, and he will know what's the, the necessary treatment. Because again, the scriptures say different things. And that, that shows how Krishna deals differently according to... To every case, for example, in one famous verse in the Bhagavatam that is quite scary for some, Krishna is saying, if I want to show my favor to someone, I will, I will retire everything from that person. Everyone will abandon him, every, he will be kicked off from everything, and he will only have me. <laughs> so we should find something poetic there. We should not be scary. <laughs> but again... Not necessarily that will happen because we'll say, oh my God, so if I continue chanting, my husband will leave me, I will be kicked from the job, I will be left without anyone. I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> so try to not be scared by such statements. That has to do with some particular uh, necessity that a devotee may have in that regard and Krishna will make that, that, that work. 
he says in the Gita, Nanyas Chintayantamam Jijana Paripasatiti Samnitavi Yuktanam Yogakshimami Bahamyaham. So there he says, those devotees who are seriously dedicated to me in a one-pointed way, or at least they want, they will like to, I will give to themselves whatever they lack, I will preserve whatever they have. Hmm? He's saying that. So that seems different. But of course, that's in the context of what's healthy to them. I will give what they lack, not necessarily in terms of material assets. Of course, if you lack something materially and you will, that material asset won't entangle you, Krishna will provide. So we can see different things in this direction. No? Mm. Um. And Krishna knows, again, this is the famous example of, of Lakshmi, Narayan and, 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 and Shiva, for example. No? Sometimes the, the, the question was is presented in the Bhagavad. No? Why Shiva is so renounced and he just wears ashes, that his dress? <laughs> but all his, most of his devotees are rich. And on the opposite, why Vishnu is the husband of Lakshmi, the gods of fortune, but most of his devotees are poor? <laughs> so, of course, the idea here is the, what's real wealth? No, has nothing to do with money, but has to do with inner wealth, that one that takes you to not be in need of external things, no? just the basic things to maintain your life. So gradually Krishna is, of course, if you are sincere in your practice, means you want bhakti, and, and you want bhakti means you, you want more and more bhakti, further and further bhakti. So Krishna will make the necessary arrangements to to preserve what you need in order for that to happen, to give what you lack, and to retire hmm? what what is excessive there, because that's also can happen. And we, and w- but the, the gist of my uh, reply will be what I said in the beginning: we should be confident. No? We should trust Krishna, Guru, Vaishnavas. They are my well wishers. They have a vision that do not have. Uh, and I will be willing for, to, for them to act on my life in such a way that some things are you know, coming, going, being preserved, and I should trust this is what I need. Mm-hmm. And of course, we should also be intelligent. I mean, we should not be stupid and just do any, anything. We should also try to be a, as sincere as possible regarding our present um, capacity. You know? For example, it's not that, okay... So I will start accepting disciples out of the blue tomorrow. And if Krishna doesn't want that, he will make that clear to me. No, if I'm aware I'm not fit for accepting disciples, I won't be doing that at all. So it's not that I will do it. And if Krishna wants to show me, he will show me. I mean, of course he will show you for sure. (laughs) And that happened a long history. But I I will also have to think for myself and to be intelligent. According to where I'm standing now, be honest, which are my present capacities. And again, as, as the question said, I may have certain desires and the process is gradual. Now maybe the ultimate goal is to transcend so many things, but the present situation, you may be realizing I'm not able to do so now. I would like to in time, but there are, as we always say, short-term goals, middle-term goals, long-term goals. So we, we should be very careful of not to impose on our present situation, something that should be happening, whatever, in three stages above. No? 
or compare yourself with a very advanced devotee who is showing a very high level of, let's say, I don't know, detachment hmm, that comes out of his attachment or her attachment to bhakti. Remember, we are not about detachment here, but we are about attachment to bhakti. So if a devotee is showing extreme detachment, that speaks about his or her attachment to Krishna. And detachment will be a byproduct of that. So, but we cannot imitate that. No, we can't force ourselves. Okay, I will try to be as gorky short as Babaji. No, I mean you cannot do that. I remember one devotee once told me that Maharaj, from I read the biography of gorky short as Babaji, and from now on I want to live my life like him. Uh, so I was like, so what does it mean? <laughs> I mean, already I realized this is totally superficial, no? if someone says like that. Just I read one book and I want to be like, I mean, it's nice, it's, he's a good example, but I mean, how how can you follow Gorky Short of Babaji? You see, I, I won't get bath anymore, and I will be all day, all, day, all day chanting, I don't want to do any other service. So that was his idea of no, following Gorky Short of Babaji. But he never said... I will sleep two hours and and eat once a day, or once a week. He never said that part. He wanted his eight hours of sleep, his big plate of prasadam, but not having bath and, and not doing any other service apart from chanting. So that was a total concoction and, and, and another variety of exploitation, basically. Not being honest with who you are. So that was basically a dysfunction, dysfunctional exhibition there, basically. And that person, at, at some weeks after, end up jumping into the jail of a tiger in a zoo. So you can imagine which was the standard of, 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 of sanity of that person. So in the name of following a great Paramahamsa, we may be just ready for entering the madhouse. So we should be honest. That's the point. We should be honest. And, and, and whatever desire you have, try to... Um, which is this word in English? Dovetail dovetail that in connection to Krishna try to make Krishna part of that as we spoke the other day I don't know with you or who, with whoever I, I'm not already aware but I don't know you may say Maharaj I still like I don't know whatever pizza no, let's give a very healthy <laughs> attachment there are much more words but <laughs> and I cannot just think about not eating that because I know that Krishna in Golok Brindavan that's not part of his diet that's not a typical preparation in the Leela so but I, I cannot think now about entering Braj and, 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 and renouncing pizza so what can I do so of course the reply will be okay continue with your pizza but include Krishna in the agenda offer that to Krishna that may be not the favorite preparation of Krishna, that Yashoda or Radharani cooks for him on a daily basis at Nandishwar, it's not mentioned in the Govinda Lilamrita, pizza or pasta or whatever, but that's your favorite. So do you have some emotional attachment to that? So try to make Krishna part of that attachment you have. And in some way, it begins to not be part of your life, if you will. And someday you will be mainly concerned about what's Krishna's favorite. And I will offer that to him. In the beginning, maybe, what's my favorite? And I will offer to Krishna. So that's what Rupa Goswami says in Bhaktarasamrita Sindhu. If you cannot offer Krishna his favorite things, at least try to offer your favorite things to him. Like a way of saying, try to acknowledge your present situation and try to make Krishna part of that. 
And that will gradually help you to transcend whatever needs to be transcended, the selfish side of it. Mm? That, that's the main point here. We are not about rejecting each stuff, but we are about including Krishna in everything. No? In every, Krishna has the potential to be included in everything and to purify everything and to uplift us from whatever we may be. So that's our, our hope, and that will be my, my advice in this sense. You pray to Krishna, you know my situation better than me, do the needful, I open to that, I try to be sincere with where I am now, hmm? so if I have some desire, please help me fulfill that in such a way, I may not forget you, and I may cl- get close to you, and that, that's the rest. We, we need to put the rest of the, our energy in trying to put ourselves into Krishna's hands. That requires a lot of of practice, to have that attitude, to, to, to present ourselves with such disposition, that's not so easy. We, it's not an automatic button we press and I'm willing to put myself. So we should work on that. Not so much about calculating how will I do with this desire and which form will take and what Krishna will do. I mean, all that mental energy and calculation, we should condense and direct, invest in the direction of how I can trust more into... Krishna's will, the Guru's will, and, and, and open myself while being intelligent, while being honest, but also while being having the hope that gradually I will grow more and more. So that will be my advice in, in that connection. Okay, so I think we are done now, and I know that some of you may have some other things to do later, some other meetings, so I don't want to overextend myself. And I think we, we spoke for a while, so happy that, that, that we were able to meet today and hope to see you next in our next uh, monthly Q&A session. And of course, remain in touch for whatever I can be of service to, to all of you. So thank you very much. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai, Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai, Sri Harinam Sankirtan Ki Jai, Gaur Bhaktavrinda Ki Jai. Jai. Gaur Primanand Haribo